Have you ever heard the phrase, your work will still be there tomorrow? Or maybe you've seen memes from teachers online about how they walk away from work all weekend because they know the piles of paper will be sitting there on Monday. This really bothers me. It's good to clock out and walk away from work. It really is. But the messaging that I'm seeing online these days is that you should walk away even if you didn't really finish your work for the week. To me, all that's going to do for any of us is double our workload the next time we go to work. And what good does that do? You'll be behind before a new week has even begun, and you'll never get caught up. As teachers, we want the best of both worlds. We want our weekends off, and we want to be caught up on our work. And the good news is it's possible and totally manageable to have both. I want to share with you guys today all of the routines and practices that I use to keep me on top of my to-do list each week. Welcome, everybody, to the Simple Classroom Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Sutherland. I am the author and creator behind thesimpleclassroom.com and the Simple Classroom on Teachers Pay Teachers, and I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for pressing play and joining me today. We are talking all about how to really have your weekends off as a teacher. And as I said in the intro, I'm not talking about walking away from your work with a bunch of unfinished tasks that are going to give you a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of dread, a little bit of the Sunday scaries on Sunday night when you know that tomorrow morning you have to deal with last week's tasks that you didn't finish, plus you have a whole new work week full of things that need to get done. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having your weekends truly off. The type of weekend where you know everything's crossed off, everything's tied up with a bow, and you can actually relax, not just walk away because it's 4 p.m. on a Friday and it's time to go. So I have five tips today that I'm going to share with you guys that have helped me as I've transitioned back into the classroom this fall, and I've had to relearn how to manage my time as a teacher. I want to share five things that I've seen make the biggest impact in getting me out the door on Fridays as soon as the last student leaves my room, and I don't have to take anything with me, and I don't have to stress. So here we go. Tip number one, deal with things as soon as you get them. At back to school time, we are just overrun with random administrative tasks. People are turning in checks for random things like t-shirts or fundraisers. Paperwork is stuck in your mailbox from the school psychologist or the secretary or the bookkeeper. There's no warning. You just all of a sudden walk in in the morning and you have things in your mailbox that you need to deal with. My recommendation is to not even walk those things down to your room if you can help it. I have actually been that person that I see a form in my mailbox that needs to be completed and turned into the assistant principal or to the PTO president or whatever the case may be. And I stand right there at the counter in front of the mailboxes and I fill it out and I stick it in that person's mailbox before I leave. I have done that because my thinking is, yeah, maybe if I pause and I fill this out right now, it's going to cost me two minutes, maybe three minutes, but two to three minutes is not something I have to work into my schedule. If I take that form back to my room and I don't deal with it that day and I tell myself I'll get to that during planning at one point this week, 
And then I get another form and then I get an email and then I get a request to print out some stuff for somebody. And then I get a request to have a small chat with the instructional coach about a student. All of a sudden I have this laundry list of administrative things that I need to get checked off by the end of the week. And now I have to block off a more significant amount of time to do it. If I have four or five forms or emails to handle that I've been saving for that one planning day that will be magically open, I'm going to have to block off 30, 45 minutes at a time to get it all done, as opposed to just handling it right that second, taking the two minutes that I don't have to schedule in to complete it, send it back, turn it in, whatever the case may be, and then moving on. And then those things don't infringe on your schedule at all. They don't throw off your routine. They don't become something you have to write down on a to-do list. They're just done and out of the way. So deal with things as soon as you get them. Tip number two, use pockets of class time wisely. So going along the same train of thought, there are a lot of tasks in our classroom that are what I like to call two-minute teaching tasks. This might be taking a random stack of diagnostic assessments and filing them away by student. This might be stapling some student work up on a bulletin board. This might be uh, organizing a stack of things you need to deal with during planning time so that when your planning time starts, you have your to-do list ready and waiting for you. There are all kinds of little tiny things that you can do during random pockets of class time that you are not directly needed. So in my classroom, there is a time where we have a working snack when we start our reading rotations, but I'm not sending all 22 of my students into the cubby room to get their snacks at the same time. So what I do instead is as I'm pulling up my slides and getting rotations ready, I send the kids by table group to get their snack and come back to their seat and wait until everyone has their snack and then we will all quietly transition to our first reading rotation. It takes me two and a half seconds to project those reading rotation slides. It takes us about two and a half minutes for every table group to go back in the cubby cubby room, grab their snacks, come back to the table, and wait. During that two and a half minutes, yes, I have to project my slides, but after that, I've got a minute to think, what could I do right now? Sometimes it is taking a stack of papers and just filing them because I have my student files sitting right next to my teacher table. Sometimes it is organizing something for my small group lesson. Sometimes it is opening up my teacher manual and putting a sticky note on something I'm going to need for later. Sometimes it's pulling up an email and replying really quickly to a parent that said that they have a dismissal change, just telling them, got it. It's, there's all kinds of little things that I can do so that when I do have that break at lunch or planning time, I'm not trying to fit all that stuff in. I can work on the big thing that I wanted to get done during planning time that day, which leads me to my next tip. But before I get into that, let me just add the caveat that I'm not advocating that we take precious instructional time to get ahead on non-instructional tasks. Just to make that clear, we're here to teach and that's what we should be doing. But if you really look at the structure of your day, you likely have a minute or two of transition or time where you're not directly teaching that you can use to your advantage. So keep a laundry list in your mind of those two minute tasks that you can get done when you're not doing direct instruction so that you constantly know, okay, I need to change out that word work bin for next week. It's Friday. I can stick the new copies in there, or I can change out our special schedule, or I can print out the new lunch menu or whatever it is, whatever little things need to be done in your room that you could knock out during those non-direct instruction minutes. 
So tip number three, piggybacking off of what I just said, we have those two-minute tasks, but we all have recurring tasks that are big tasks, lesson planning for the next week ahead, grading papers, entering those grades, which is a completely separate task, um, getting copies ready, prepping things like cutting, um, laminating, things like that. We all have these things that every single week we're going to need to get them done. My advice is to assign a block of time for those big tasks. So my planning time this week, this past week, I had on Monday, I was going to pull the materials and run copies of the things that I wanted to bring to our team planning on Wednesday. So every Wednesday, my team sits down and we hash out the plan for the following week. And we're all responsible for one subject area. So Monday during my planning time, my number one objective was to make sure that the things that I'm bringing to planning time for math and morning work, I had those copies in hand. I had the master copies printed, ready to go, and I was able to present them to my team on Wednesday. My other big thing was after I printed those master copies and had those things ready to go, I was going to sit down and I was going to grade our spelling tests from the Friday before and enter them. Tuesday, I had a different list. Tuesday, I wanted to grade our math tests from Monday afternoon and enter them. But every day of the week, I have things that I'm blocking off into my schedule. You may just do it as simple as every Wednesday I grade, every Tuesday I plan, every Thursday I make copies for the following week, every Friday I clean and organize all my center bins and make sure that they're set up for the following week. You can, you can do it however you want to, but... If you're working in all those tiny little tasks throughout the day when you have transitional moments, and then you know that your big tasks are all accounted for throughout the week, then on Fridays, you're looking at a neat, tidy room with all of your copies ready to go, and you're ready to walk out the door. My hope is that many of you are sharing all of this burden with a team, that you're not responsible for writing out the full plan and making copies for every subject area that you teach, but... As someone who was once a fourth grade teacher in a very small school, and I was the only fourth grade teacher, (laughs) I can attest that it can still be done. I was a newer teacher back then, and it was harder for me to manage my time. It was harder for me to work in all of that grading. But by the second year, I really did have it down to where I was not working all of the time on school. Um, So it is possible even if you are an island. But if you do have a team and you guys can work together and you can split some of that burden, I highly recommend it. If you need tips on managing team relations with a difficult team, I do have a blog post I wrote about that based on maybe some personal experiences of my own. I will link that in the show notes so you can read about some of my top tips for handling team relations and getting things done, even if you don't all get along perfectly. But my hope is that you have a great team that you get along with really well. All right, tip four, resist reinventing the wheel. It can be really tempting to make your own version of every little thing so the colors all match in your room or the fonts are all your favorite. Um, But if you hope to have sustainability in your career, you're going to have to get comfortable with just letting some things be ugly. Not everything has to match. Not every anchor charter poster has to be the most beautiful. Not every worksheet needs clip art. Sometimes the worksheet your curriculum provides on a certain skill is ugly to look at, but the content will do the trick. 
Our number one goal as teachers is to help our students learn. And sometimes if you stick to dry, boring curriculum, yeah, sure, it's not meeting every need. It's not filling every gap. You're going to have to supplement. But starting with those things as the basics, starting with what's provided for you and then moving on to supplement is the kind of thing that's going to keep you from feeling burnt out. If you have something provided for you, start there. Also, never forget the power and magic of Teachers Pay Teachers. If you want or need a cuter approach or a more differentiated approach or a more robust approach to the skill that you're teaching next week, rely on the hard work that others have put in. Supplement your curriculum with the PowerPoint and worksheet set that someone else made rather than feeling like you need to do it. The sooner you let go of that pressure to make everything yourself so you know it's always ultra-engaging and it's always ultra-cute, the sooner you will have your weekends to yourself. Because if you don't love what the school provided or what the curriculum provided, chances are someone else out there felt the same way about their curriculum and they made something to meet that need for their students and you can benefit from that. Okay, final tip. Create posters, charts, and classroom displays in real time. I used to believe that every anchor chart I made needed to be Pinterest perfect to be worthy of hanging up in my room. I would spend so much time drawing out an anchor chart, messing up, throwing it away, starting over so I could have this beautiful heading with big bubble letters that were all colored in and a cute little character drawn on it. But you know what I was really doing? I was wasting a ton of time. Because educational research tells us that anchor charts are more impactful on student learning when you teach as you make them. If you present a quote-unquote anchor chart that's beautiful and fully colored in and all filled out, all you've done is shown them a piece of paper. You're just showing them a poster. Their learning is not anchored. They did not get to help you come up with the terms that you wrote. They did not get to help you brainstorm that definition. You are simply reading them a poster and you spend a ton of time doing it. So make those things in front of the kids. If you need a chart for a lesson, do not add it to your to-do list of things to get done before next week. Just write it into your lesson plans that we're going to open that lesson by making this anchor chart together. Will it be the cutest thing ever if you make it in real time? No, but are we here for everything to be the cutest thing ever or are we here for our students to learn? Additionally, classroom displays that you want to hang up can be teachable moments. So a personal example is just this school year. I had a whole classroom job display that I wanted to get hung up by the first day of school and it did not happen. So I was tempted that night before the first day of school to go to school and get it hung up because I wanted to talk about classroom jobs. My classroom jobs are... My end of day jobs, they are a central part of my classroom management system because my classroom economy hinges on those jobs and the way that I can walk out the door with a clean, perfectly neat classroom every day is those end of day jobs. Everyone's cleaning the room. As they're cleaning the room, I'm laying out my copies for the next morning. I'm putting morning work on the desks. I'm changing the date. I'm changing the I can statements. I'm doing everything to reset the room for the next morning while the kids are Clorox wiping and sweeping and organizing and straightening up my library and doing all the things that they can do. We call it community cleanup. And it really is a community effort because the classroom is not just mine. It's all of ours. And we all play a part in getting it ready for learning the next day. So all this to say, I wanted to introduce those classroom jobs immediately 
and I didn't have the display ready to go by the first day of school. So instead of coming in overnight and hanging everything up and getting it all cute, I just used it as a lesson. I held up each job card in front of the kids. I had my hot glue gun warming up on the counter and I'm standing there at my back door, which is where my classroom jobs are hung up. They're laminated to the back of my cubby room door. And I'm standing there and I'm going over each job, how to do each job. And then I hot glued the card and stuck it right on the door. And as we're having discussion, I hang up the letters, the header above it that says community cleanup. And then I assign the jobs right there in real time. I'm writing with a dry erase marker on these laminated laminated cards, each kid that will have each job. So I just turned it into a lesson plan. Next week, I have a whole accountable talk bulletin board that I want to put together for some of our book talks that we're doing in second grade. And I could go in and put all those pieces up on the bulletin board and just point to them when we go back to school and introduce it to the students. Or I could hang up the cards one at a time and go over the the talking stems that I want the students to use and then staple them on the board right there in real time. It saves me the weekend prep time, but on top of that, it might actually help the students learn it better. So just to recap, the five tips are deal with things as soon as you get them, use tiny pockets of class time wisely, assign blocks of time for big tasks so you know everything's getting done, resist reinventing the wheel, use the ugly worksheet if you have to, um, Buy it on Teachers Pay Teachers if you have to, hopefully with school funds, and create posters or classroom displays or anchor charts in real time rather than feeling like you need to come in over the weekend and get it done before the kids come in. So I hope that the combination of these five tips help you get out the door a little bit faster or get ahead of your work week a little bit sooner and make you feel overall a little bit more relaxed and on top of and in control of your teaching life. If you want more ideas about working smarter, not harder in the classroom, I have a couple of blog posts that I am going to link in the show notes. One of them is about daily rhythms and how those can make a huge impact on your teaching life if you're doing the same tasks at the same time every day and then it becomes automatic as opposed to something you even have to put on a to-do list. The other one is about some tips for working smarter, not harder. And then I have another one about grading routines that to keep you ahead and on top of grading. So I'll link those along with the blog post about the team relations and managing team relationships blog post. And I'll link the end of day jobs if you're interested in learning more about that. But that's all I have for you guys today. I hope that you have a wonderful week of teaching and that you have one of those weeks where you leave on Friday and you feel like I really got everything done and I really can relax. Have a great week, everybody. 